hello men hello women hello non-binary folks hello children hello animals hello to anyone who might be listening to this podcast it is the pod cast this is episode 15 and uh this is you know your favorite podcast about new metal this month i mean we've got a great album lined up but i'm going to introduce my co-host he is a man who uh you know today when i thought about uh when i thought about him and i thought about the last time we talked i thought it's been a while brian quinby is here hi brian oh you could have said something about how i hate my dad but i i'll probably say that a lot in this show yeah so exactly. I feel like this is gonna bring out some emotions here so uh, <laughs> not, i figured i'd leave those all out for you yeah i mean there's a lot of like weird like i mean i could definitely do you know uh i could be like hey and uh, my co-host is a man who sells death to kids it's brian quinby would you rather that's have true that? too though i do do that so <laughs> That wouldn't have been a what I went with, but yeah, that wouldn't have been false at all. I saw a lot of death to a lot of kids, <laughs> so I think death is badass, don't we all? Uh, hey everyone, that's Brian. I'm John. This is the POD cast. This is episode 15. Uh, as you can tell from the title in front of you, this month we are reviewing Stains Break the Cycle, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh. And I want to talk about, uh, before we even get into the album as a whole, this, this I thought was pretty good. Um, this week, listening to this album, which you really didn't like to do, you really hated this whole experience. Mm. Uh, I, you, you came up with what I think was a very smart and good playlist that I imagine is, doesn't exist anywhere else on Spotify, which is the <laughs> divorce court parking lot playlist uh should we talk a little bit about that sure i don't have it in front of me though but <laughs> i did come up with that i'm not getting divorced oftentimes people <laughs> think i'm getting divorced they think you're talking about yourself when you bring that up yeah they think that that kind of stuff is all like uh uh, uh autobiographical i guess or, or that i'm like speaking from any kind of experience i am not speaking from divorce experience and now when i say it like this it sounds like i'm getting divorced and i'm trying yeah, to hide it he doth protest too much but but i mean you're the like, opposite really you and katie have been together for since you guys were teenagers yeah 19 you're, you're the like success story you know you got a you've got a daughter who's gonna be 16 soon you 17, guys, 17 next old year shit. Well, there you she go. just turned 16 oh, yeah okay. well there you go so you have a just spot her up You've got, uh, you know, you've been married. Well, you've been together with your wife for over 20 years. So, I mean, yes. you're, the op- you're the opposite. You're the, you're the success story. I just bought my kid a fucking MacBook Pro, and wow. I'm so mad about it. I'm jealous <laughs> because my computer is not a MacBook or a Pro <laughs> or even very good. And now I'm, like, mad at her. Like, fuck, man. You got a better Glad computer than me? do that because of all the like is she doing online learning and stuff you're like oh well she is but they gave her a computer here's why i did it because i feel that as a parent of a teenager who is going to be 18 in a couple of years that you have to send your kid out with two things in this world a computer and a car and then the rest of it's up to them 
and they can figure it all out from there. But those are the two things. If my parents would have just sent me out with a computer and a car, I would have been in a much better place, much quicker. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. I, uh, I mean, I feel like that's generous. I don't know. I don't think my parents definitely never bought me a computer. Well, they did like for the house, obviously when we were kids, but they never bought me like a laptop or anything. I took yeah. handwritten notes for all of university. I, I bought my first MacBook when I got into teacher's college and I felt like, okay, I got to have like a good computer for this shit. I'm going to be using it is what you were thinking. So you yeah, were like, yeah. oh, I get it. I get one. Yeah. It's all good, you know? And then yeah, car. I mean, I was lucky. We always had two cars growing up and my parents worked at the same office. So we usually had one car around the house, but I never owned a car. Didn't own a car until I started teaching until I was like 25. So I feel like, yeah. you know, you got your daughter's ahead of the game here. Feels- you shouldn't have a car yet, but uh, no, I plan to have one. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That's October. That's that Shocktober skrill. You just splash it out. Your daughter can mm. drive a car around and she, people could be like, well, your dad bought you a car. She could be like, yeah, man cow bought this. It's a Christmas present. This is a Christmas present that she now knows about and <laughs> wants to, to have. There's no way. No, she knows. She went with us to get it. That's oh. how she got a pro. Because I was going to get her a fucking air. You know? And she was like, I just don't like the way the air looks. And I'm like, you motherfucker. I mean, that's you. a great way of getting a much better computer. I know. I know. I, I know. Mean, she Trust me. Known, right? You think she, she was playing your ass, I feel like. Uh, yeah. I mean, she said, I don't want a 13-inch screen. And I was like, well, I mean, there's only 13 and 15, I believe. And uh, what you're really telling me is you don't want the cheap one. You want the one that costs the most amount of money. And then she's like, well, I'll settle for the 13 inch screen if it's the pro. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you for settling, you know, (laughs) for settling for this, this MacBook Pro that we have now or that she has that if I touch it, she'll say trying to take my computer away from me. So (laughs) I don't know. She just found out about her, their French class trip to France, too. And I'm like, oh, God, teenagers. Oh, I don't have it. I know you're either going to have to choose that or the prom. <laughs> French? Oh, like going to France when, though? 2022? Two years from okay. now. Yeah, it would be our senior year. So French in Ohio? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, feels, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that feels weird to me. Like, I'm Canadian, obviously. I took French from grade one to 12. But well, I, I took feel- Spanish. Right. And sure. uh, I believe she took French because I took Spanish. <laughs> she was just kind of like, yeah, Spanish is bullshit. I'll take French. Uh, I'm like, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. You I mean, know. in America, you can definitely do more of a Spanish than French, I feel. I know. I know. Like Louisiana, like parts, like very specific parts of Louisiana. Is that even it? Where speaks French in, in the U.S.? Nowhere. Nowhere. She just did it because she didn't want to take the same thing as me. You know, she she's back. She can be if you know, she can get like a. Pardon me, like a, a bilingual job in Quebec. And then that'll it, be her ticket into Canada. It pains me to say this, and it really does, but my daughter is going to live in Columbus, Ohio forever. <laughs> and that pains me to say, but uh, she likes it here more than I do. So, really? 
But, yeah. you know, things can change, though. She goes to university. Maybe she meets, a, you know, a partner that takes her away from Columbus. Like, you know, you don't know. Oh, I hope. I mean, I don't want her to be stuck here like I was. You know what I mean? Like, I always tell her, I was like, don't make peace with being in Columbus forever. You know, I I, I still haven't done that. So... <laughs> Well, maybe that's what you need to do. You need to pull her out of Columbus now, and then you can both escape at the same time. Mm, I can't do that. That That is the worst thing you can do to a 17-year-old. I know. I know. I don't actually think you should do that, but... Just, uh, 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 you know... I like COVID this thing. To like a very, uh, a very intense episode of the. I think you've been listening to too much Love Line or something. Not that this is about maybe, love, maybe, like maybe. Well, I'm just complaining about spending money, which is often a theme with me. That is true. That I, is true. I like to complain about spending money. I but spent like a bunch a nice of money. Way. Well, you you told me you bought a hat today with our uh, with our POD. And I did buy a ninety dollar hat too, but that money is my money, and it doesn't matter. Right. Like right. whatever that wastefulness that I just did today or the hoodie I bought recently or any of that stuff, that doesn't count as money I don't like spending. Right. Money I don't like spending goes to other people that aren't <laughs> me. I hate that money. I love the money I spend on me. It makes me happy. I mean, that's totally fair. I mean, I don't have any kids, so I've never really had to worry. I mean, I guess I spend money on Becca and stuff, but like that feels fine. That feels like a that feels fine too. spending on Katie's fine. Yeah, that's like a normal thing to do in your relationship, I think. But yeah, we share shit, though. You share with Becca. I share with Katie. I don't right, share right. with Gwen. Gwen don't <laughs> share with me. She doesn't want me touching her shit. She locks it all in her room. And if I do touch it, she's like, what are you stealing it? You know, well, I think so, especially like the computer, you like a teenage girl would feel like if you're touching it, it's because you're like you're snooping. You're either stealing yeah. or you're snooping. Like there's no you couldn't just be like, well, listen, like my computer broke and I got to do a podcast. She'd be like, yeah, right. You're trying to figure out what I'm up to. Ah, see, she, I don't think she would believe that because I don't think she thinks I care that much. You oh, know? really? OK, <laughs> OK, that's fair. <laughs> It's kind of like, I don't, what would she be doing on it? You know, what, what that she couldn't tell me she was doing, could she be doing on it? Because there isn't anything that my kid knows she'll never get in trouble. You know, there's no trouble. There's no trouble to be had in the Quinby house. You know, when you give somebody a speech when they're like 10 or 11, like, hey, if the police ever get a hold of you, just say you want your dad until they call me and get me there. Don't tell them anything. Just say you, you want your dad. So, yeah. That that is how that that is how I raised her. That's why I know she doesn't care about that stuff. She <laughs> wouldn't worry about me snooping cuz I don't care. <laughs> I mean, okay. That's good. Can't be worse than me. Can't be worse than I was. See, I'm not one of these parents that were bad kids that takes it out on my kid you know it's like i i i figure she can't get anywhere near as bad as i am what is she gonna do to shock me you know like oh no you smoke marijuana geez oh i hope that doesn't ruin her whole entire life i mean i guess that's true but i think that that's like a good i think that's a good way to parent probably where you you know, you think about how you wish 
you were parented and then you apply some of that to how you parent your child. I think sometimes you like can lose sight of that for sure. Very low risk to, I mean, not low risk, low stress, high risk, low stress, (laughs) you know? Right. You're just hoping that she's like sound enough in the brain that she's not gonna, you know, she's not going to make your parent, your laid back parenting style look bad or reflect. And that's what you're always worried about too. It's like, that's what you have to impress upon them. It's like, Hey, this is a really laid back house. Don't, (laughs) make me have to go put on a show somewhere and act like I'm mad at you or something. Okay. We don't do that. Right. We just, you know, you go stay the night at somebody's house. Don't sneak out because if you get caught, then I have to come over there and be like, ah, oh, you son of a bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to call my, I don't want to call my own wife a bitch. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. That's fair. Yeah. I think my household was not like that growing up my household was you know it's funny like uh thinking about this album um and i'm sure we'll get into it more but aaron lewis on this album his songwriting is very uh like he kind of has the the mentality that i have talked about on this podcast before where like it seems like his life was overall pretty good but he's just like blows up the like little things that went wrong uh, which is very much what I did. Like, I mean, yes, his parents got divorced, but and mine stayed together, and they're still together. But like, it was the same kind of thing where it was just like, you know, oh, my dad, you know, tried to was trying to like impress a lesson upon me, essentially a small lesson. Yeah. What an asshole! What a fucking piece of shit to care about me in some way. This guy is dramatic. I think. yeah. It yeah. seems like a overly dramatic. When you read about his childhood, it like doesn't match up. You know, it feels he really feels like I, I the thing I read about him that kind of did make me feel like a kindred spirit was like that. He makes a huge deal out of basically my childhood, which I also make a huge deal out of. You know, it's like, oh, it's so fucking bad, man. Oh, my dad, you know, oh, fuck him, you know. But it it was really like, like everybody else's childhood. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it, right? It's like you, if at least for me anyway, I I sort of feel like, um, what like doing this podcast has really made, has really brought some things to light as far as like, you know, my life was pretty good, but for some reason, when I turned this music on, I was like, "Ah, oh, man, what a, what a shit life I have. And it's just, I right. think it's just like, but that's what it, I, probably part of it is just like, that's what being white is as well. You're just like, well, my life has no, I have really no problems. I feel no pressure. You know, things are good. So I'll just make shit up. I got to, you know, I'm a teen. I got to put this, I got to put these hormones somewhere. You know, so I just, yeah, so I guess that's it. I just, I put it into like listening to corn and, and being ma- and being like mad about nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I, you know, it's all relative to you can feel like your childhood fucked you up and have had a pretty normal one too. Yes, you know, yeah, I mean, sure. that's the way I, I, I feel like my childhood totally fucked me up. And maybe it's just because I'm the type of guy that takes things hard or something where it's just like 
it was a pretty normal childhood, you know. Uh, 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 you hear it from a lot of people, and uh, but but a lot of people don't write, you know. Like I don't make it the center of my thing that it, my childhood. I don't make my childhood like the center of my my public persona. Have if you will. Oh yeah, yeah. The way Aaron Lewis like. He took a childhood that sounded again nicer than mine in some respects and made it the whole thing, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think he had some sort of like antecedents in the in the genre as well, who, you know, he probably looked at corn, saw what John Davis was doing and having success with, uh, as far as like talking about his childhood and how difficult it was. And he was like, well, there's mo- there, that's money. There's money in this. You know, I can make this into something. But let's talk about, we'll talk about the album. We'll get into our history with it. The album we're doing today is Stain's Break the Cycle. Uh, it was released on May 8th, 2001. Uh, it came out on Flip Records. Uh, and they were kind of a band that uh, Flip was, of course, I believe Fred Durst and, and uh, Limp Bizkit were also on Flip. And Fred took Stained underneath their uh, his wing in the same way that he said that Korn did to them. Uh, Stained was the band that Fred Durst took under his wing. Uh, they obviously had released a couple albums before this. Uh, but this was the one that broke them through. It had five singles. Uh, it's been a while outside fade for you and epiphany. Uh, and you can tell that they, the, you know, everyone thought it was going to be something. The The budget to record this album was $800,000, uh, but it paid off. It debuted at number one on the billboard 200 uh, and remained at number one for three consecutive weeks. And it, remained on the billboard 200 for 70 consecutive weeks. This album was on the billboard 200, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, over a year stained found a spot on the billboard 200. It ended up selling over 5 million copies in the U S certified five times platinum by the record industry of America. It also went platinum in New Zealand and in Canada, and it topped the UK charts as well as the American charts. And uh, yeah, it sold, I believe uh, it sold somewhere north of 7 million copies worldwide. Uh, So truly one of the most successful albums in the new metal genre and uh, broke stained into uh, a new stratosphere. So uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about your, sort of history with this because it you know i know obviously people who follow you on twitter have seen your sort of feelings about being forced to listen to this record but this came out in may 8th 2001 and if you're a fan of the podcast uh you know i would imagine that you would recognize that that's sort of a little bit after your you know you were starting to wane on new metal at this point but tell us about your your sort of history with this with this record well, I liked Dysfunction quite a bit. Like, I liked the, the, their album Dysfunction, and I listened to it a lot. It's only like seven songs or something, but I would I would rock that album. And then uh, uh, really loved Outside, the the live version with Fred right. Durst on the Family Values Tour. Really, I mean, for a guy my age, 
especially with the shit I was going through at the time, the, the mental health stuff and, and just how I felt at the time, that song really hit me heavily. And then, uh, I, uh, what happened is I heard the version of outside from this album and immediately decided I hated the album and I hated the song. <laughs> It just, they like polished it up too much. There was something about it that was just like, this is just not good. And this whole album's not going to be good. And I listened to it, but I just, I was just done with it. As soon as I heard the version of Outside that came on here, I was really done with Stained forever. And and this album is that, it's just miserable fucking music. I hate to say the word joyless music because there's a lot of joyless music that's very good, but like this is really joyless music. There is just no having fun listening to this. I feel like that's a pretty good way to describe it. Um, fun fact about Outside, which obviously, Brian, you probably are aware of, but for our listeners, um, so yeah, the version of Outside with uh, Fred Durst was a demo version of the song. So the, the the kind of the trajectory for Stained is that they were touring with Limp Bizkit and Fred actually tried to get them kicked off the tour uh, because Dysfunction, the cover art, has a picture of a Bible being stabbed, I think, is the uh, is the sort of cover art. And Fred thought that that was like unacceptable, which is absolutely hilarious. Uh, the dork. Uh, so sorry dysfunction has a clown on the front i think it's maybe tormented their first album yes uh, yes as yeah so on if you look at the cover of tormented which i have up here it's got a it's got christ on the cross it's got a guy kind of looking through a thing i oh sorry yeah it's got a, a barbie doll and a crucifix a knife impaling a bible and a rosary hanging from the nose of a face sticking out of a buried person's nose um, and so I guess, uh, he hated the, the Fred hated the cover of tormented, uh, but he liked stained. He saw them perform. He was trying to get them kicked off the tour, but then once he saw them perform, he was like, okay, these guys are good and I want them to be on my label. And then I guess he had heard Aaron Lewis kind of fucking around with outside backstage. And he was like, oh, we should, we should do this together. We should, this should be a duet. Uh, and cause Fred kind of, like I said, wanted to give them the rub in the same way that corn gave them the rub. Um, and so, yeah, so Fred famously performed outside with Aaron Lewis. This was on family values 99. Um, and then that was tacked on to the family values 99 CD and, uh, was hugely popular. And then that's kind of what got stained going, but I agree. Like it almost feels like it would be the other way. Like if you listen to the album version, it feels like that would be the version they would make acoustic that would have gone big, but it, it went the other way around, which makes it far worse. I think. Yeah. I'm looking at this tormented album cover. It's insane. It's try hard. Very try it's hard. So insane. They're like, Oh, yeah. what more like, you know, it's funny. I like, I used to play in a band, you know, way back in the day. And uh, when I was in my early twenties and I remember um, in Canada, they're very generous uh, or used to be very generous with the arts. There used to be a thing called the factor grant uh, that they would give bands to make music videos. Um, and so we were, you know, we weren't really a huge band by any means, but we were like, you know, well-known in our local scene. So we were applying for a factor grant and we sort of sent a song to a few directors uh, for, for a music video because you'd have to send Factor like a treatment. 
And the song was like vaguely, like kind of vaguely referenced the army, I think a little bit and stuff. And um, so like every treatment we got was just like, okay, you guys are going to be dressed up in army uniforms. You're going to be in war, <laughs> you know, like it was just like every, every music video treatment we got was just absolutely like bang on the nose of like, okay, this song, you're sort of talking about the army, like not really, but uh, but you know, a little bit. So, uh, we're just, we're going to blow it up, you know? And that kind of feels like what this cover is like stained went to like a few artists they knew and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm really struggling with my religion and I kind of don't know really what's going on. Do something with that. You know, and then someone was just like, Oh, here's like a bunch of metaphors. I can just all throw in one scene and take a picture of it. Oh, and there's probably like explanations for like Barbie doll, man. It's like Barbie's America, you know, like, like yeah. beautiful woman, America, Barbie on the cross because America is Jesus. You know, like you could, you can, you can almost feel the uncomfortable conversation, yeah. but Fred Durst seeing that and getting scared is, I mean, this is as my, this isn't, like a death metal album cover either you know no. it doesn't fit the stained thing though no, no, it and doesn't that's all. like brand conscious fred that's probably more what you know is. more of what bothered him than he yeah. really likes just saying or maybe even stained like saying that they freaked fred durst out you know yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's no question that could be part of it. Um, this album for me was weird in that I think so my history with it is like, I remember the singles and, and this was like weird. Cause I feel, and Brian, you can maybe speak to this a bit more because you kind of came up from the very beginning of, of new metal, but new metal didn't feel like super singly. Like, even though obviously like Korn, you know, had Freak on a Leash and Limp Bizkit had like Nookie and Break stuff, like they had these big singles, but new metal still felt like a genre where you like, you wanted to buy the record and you wanted to listen to the whole record. And that's like what it was. It didn't feel like it was like a singles genre, even though some of the singles, like I say, did blow up. It still felt like an album genre. And I feel like Stained is in that sort of same vein of Linkin Park, where I like I liked all of hybrid theory, but stained feels like they were a singles band in a time that like, you know, new metal was blowing up so huge that you could be a new metal singles band in 2001. So like it was really weird listening to this album because all I remember, I haven't listened to stained in years and years. I'm kind of like you. I like mud shovel off of dysfunction. So I've listened to that song a bunch of times, uh, but like, just go is so good yeah, those are Love both great that. songs but like so with break the cycle i truly only remembered it's been a while and outside and i didn't remember any of the other songs so the other singles are fade and epiphany and um uh what's the fifth one here fade epiphany and for you and i didn't remember any of those being singles and then when i was listening through this record for this uh, for this podcast, I was like surprised that I knew the words to those songs. Like I was like, go and I'm like, Oh, I okay. I know this. Song. I know this one. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I know this one. Like it was a weird look back of like, 
a record that I thought I only knew two songs on and I knew like five or six. And I think it was just because they were like a singles band to me. I never owned this album. I was never like a huge stained fan, but I remember really liking the singles, putting the singles on like mix CDs. This was like around the time when mix CDs were starting up and stuff, you know? So I can remember putting the singles on mixes and shit like that, but it was just weird to me to be like, Oh, this was truly like a singles band to me that I only know those five songs and the rest of the record. I didn't remember at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that got, first of all, when you call a band, a singles band, a lot of times that just means they only have three or four good songs in album. Like they just, the rest of the songs just suck. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. (laughs) But, but uh, I was surprised in the other way. Yeah. I was surprised at how many of these songs I knew because of listening to because I was listening to uh, 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 the radio so much at the time and not because I wanted to, but because that was what was there. Um, But I knew a bunch of these songs. I, uh, I, I remember even kind of liking them. There are songs on here that I do like some of the singles that I do like, but uh, I just, uh, the, the album tracks, uh, actually are more heavy than the singles, which I, I found to be interesting too. Well, I think that that album, go ahead. This album was much heavier than I expected it to be based on the songs that I knew the, the singles that I knew, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think this one for me, so, you know, I, I, it it's interesting this album to me the 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 album singles or sorry the album tracks sort of seemed to me to have more in common with dysfunction that like they kind of got caught in the middle of you know because dysfunction was a heavier record than this one i think um and so i think they kind of got caught in that sort of thing where they were like well what kind of band are we like are we like are we trying are we going to try to get famous out of this are we going to try to write singles or are we just going to be or are we just going to keep being a new metal band and then the fact that like you read something like the budget for this album was almost a million dollars the production budget and then you're like okay like they were obviously trying to do trying to be it's been a while that's what they were trying to be they were trying to be the band that makes it's been a while they weren't trying to be the band that makes mud shovel or just go or whatever but i feel like because that was where they came from, they still had those tracks. It's like Sugar Ray has like a very similar trajectory where like, you know, they were, they were basically a new metal band and then fly popped big. And then they're like, okay, well, everyone wants us to be the fly band, but we kind of want to be the new metal band. So then I remember 1459, you had like every morning and whatever that other single was, but there were still like heavy tracks, even on that record when everyone knew them as like the fly band. And I feel like Stain's kind of the same thing where, you know, they were, I think eventually, well, obviously like Aaron Lewis is just, just plays country music now. So obviously they're always going to maybe head in that direction, but this sort of feels like the first album where they're like, okay, outside got kind of big. Like that was on family values 99. So it's been out for like a year outside got kind of big. That's an acoustic guitar. People like that shit. They want us to be, maybe be a bit softer. And I do think Aaron Lewis has a good voice. 
Like, I don't think he's like, uh, you know, he's still singing in that kind of Eddie Vedder, Scott Stapp register a little bit, but he's got a pretty expressive voice. So I don't know. I think that this was like, yeah, they're, they're kind of caught in between two, in between two bands on this album, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is like a really good point. They, they are trying to, they're, I mean, I guess like back then and still, for this matter it you don't want to be considered a, a sellout and uh they're trying not to be i think this album is the album where they're like we're gonna try not to we're gonna try to sell out without having people call us sellouts it's it seemed like the goal yeah i think so and i mean you see that with outside right like they take they take this like acoustic ballad that's like on that you see you know Fred has the like, let's see your lighters. You know, everyone's throwing up their lighters or whatever. And uh, what Biloxi is that the uh, the city they're in? Biloxi, when he says yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and then they're like, even that they're like, well, we got to try and make this like a little bit harder. Like, we can't just do the acoustic version on the album. We gotta let's harden this up. Let's stiffen it up. You know, we're not we're not we're not a lighter band. You know, we're not a band <laughs> where people are gonna throw lighters up. Come on now. I think they just saw that that song. I think they just said, this is a studio album. This has to sound studio. Like, I think you might be right that they were like, this needs more, uh, uh, a more heavy vibe, but really all this need, all that really needed was him playing guitar. That's gotta be a producer's call. You know? Yeah, I think be. so. I don't think that's a. I don't think that is a uh, Aaron Lewis call just because of what he's doing now. I think yeah. he probably knew that it should have been. I. I mean, I guess there is always the possibility that he didn't have confidence at the time, but right. I. I don't know. I. I. Th- I would. I would lean more towards that was a producer's call. Yeah, I think that's possible for sure. Or even if it wasn't necessarily a producer's call, it was the like, um, it, it was just this sense of, you know, we, we've released the acoustic version. It's gotten quite popular. So we have to do something that sounds different than that. We can't just do that again on this record, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That could be part of it too. I don't. That know. could be. I mean, I would have just done. I would have just put the goddamn thing on the record. Right. The the live version would have been the move because that really turned me off of this album. It's crazy how much that turned me off of this album because I really did. I went and saw him live on this touring cycle, but other than that, it I stayed away. Right. And did you find like did you like them uh did you like them live? Yeah, I thought they were they're really good live. I mean, just their songs it's weird. Their songs are loud and heavy and and heavy in a different way that's you know, the way he sings I can't explain his sounds his voice just sounds heavy. It's not screaming. Right. The, the lyrics are so heavy. His voice sounds so heavy and the music comes off pretty heavy for new metal in those early days and in a few of the songs on this album that uh it's a good time. Um I found that new metal concerts were super cathartic 
for me where I was just going there and having feelings. Right. And uh, they were really good. They they were stained was really good for going and having feelings. <laughs> I mean that makes sense for sure. I yeah, it's funny. I we read uh, one of the articles we read for this, um, which will which we'll get to later. I, I well, I think we'll get to. I'm not sure if it's one I read and we're not going to cover. But Aaron Lewis basically said that that like people come to stain shows uh, thinking that they're just getting like outside and it's been a while and they're getting this kind of like acoustic Pearl jammy kind of band. And he's like, you know, we're fucking heavy and our shows are heavy and people don't quite know what, you know, they come see us and they're like, Oh, what the hell? You know? So yeah, it seems like that was something that they were even aware of uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That I, 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 uh, I mean, who who were they touring with? They were touring with like Kid Rock. Uh, yeah, that's who Corn, I saw them with. Biscuit, yeah, they Kid were, Rock, they were Corn, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, as as we've said before, who knows? They probably wouldn't call themselves new metal. I would guess, no, or they yeah, would no, say that Dysfunction so. is a new metal album, right. and Break the Cycle is whatever they rock call or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably alternative rock would be my guess. Um, yeah, like even if you it's weird uh looking at their one note that's really interesting on their on their Wikipedia says that they actually recorded an entire version of this album that was acoustic that they had intended to release like after this album came out, but then it never they never finalized it, whatever that means. But they actually be better. recorded a full version of this album acoustically. I would probably like actually like to listen to that more than this. Right. There's something about this with the with the heavy guitar that makes it so much worse than than hearing it acoustic. I think acoustic I would be able to like maybe get more in the groove. I can't feel angry like that and then the kind of grief that he feels in his songs. Like Jonathan Davis has triumphant moments in his songs where he says things that are like uh, uh, powerful, where he's taking the power back from the bullies or his parents or whatever. Like Stain doesn't do that. And that might actually be why I don't like listening to the album is there's, there's no, it's all just, oh, the world's beating me down. You know, I can't, uh, uh, I can't get past my childhood. Everything's fucked up, and that's just the way it's going to stay, really. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think with Corn too. You know, we've talked about it on the show before, but both of their first two or even three records end with Jonathan Davis crying. Right. So there is this like catharsis in he- even though. Jonathan Davis isn't necessarily, I mean, there are definitely songs that are about like him actually overcoming things. There is also this like release, this catharsis in of the like misery of you're like, okay, Jonathan Davis himself is kind of like breaking through this and he's, you know, he's getting over this. The music is part of the healing or whatever. Whereas like for Aaron Lewis, it doesn't really feel like that to me. He had a very interesting um, quote that I had seen from a recent interview and he was talking about a recent country song that he wrote 
And he said, so on his latest country record, he wrote, uh, he let other people write songs for him for the first time. <laughs> so his whole oh, thing was like, he was all, cause he, cause he's been very vocal about pop country. He's been like, if you read like any of his interviews from the, from his like new country career, he's very vocal that like pop country all sounds the same, that it's like 10 songwriters who get together in a room and just make a bunch of country songs that sound the exact same and whatever. And his whole like point of pride was that, you know, dating back to stained, he's always written all of his songs and they're all authentic and blah, blah, blah. And his reasoning Brian, you're going to love this. His reasoning for allowing other people to write songs for him finally is that he got too emotional writing a song for his latest record that he couldn't handle writing songs anymore. <laughs> he said that he cried. He said that he cried so much that it, writing this one song that <laughs> the tears stained the page so badly that he's like, he said the tears were coming faster than the words. And I had to write the words on a, I had to write it on a new piece of paper because I had cried so much that the original lyric sheet was illegible. And then he thought to himself like, okay, well I've like hit a wall. Like I've gone as far as I can go plumbing the like emotional depths of myself. So I'll let other people write words for me now because I, this is it. I, I've like reached my apex. He should try writing on his phone or like on a computer or something. <laughs> would be something I would give a shot. Then that won't happen. You can keep writing all of your own songs, which is I fine. I think it was just it was just one of the most dramatic things I've ever heard. Um, he feels like the kind of guy that I, I I don't know, like his country career, just even in you just saying that I haven't heard a lot of it or, or even didn't read a lot of articles about it or anything when I was looking through stuff today, but he just is a hack, you know, yeah he's, a he's just doing the, 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 he got into new metal and he did the hackiest version of new metal, right? Like, Oh, you know, my childhood's fucked up. He, he, that's what he did, but he did it. So it sounded like the hackiest form of uh, popular rock at the time, which was like Creed or, you know, the Allison chains, Pearl jam type Godsmack type thing. So that's two ways he's a hack. And then of course, as he's a country singer, he's like uh, pop country shit. It all sounds the same. Nobody like, I think he tours with some of those people. Oh, for like, sure he does. He um, even I, said like one of the bands he was super critical of was Dan and Shay. And then he, he even said in the interview, he's like, oh, it's nothing personal. Like, I know those guys, I've played shows with them and they're like really cool people. It's not personal. I just hate their music kind of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're making it pretty personal. You've been talking about this for like, like three or four paragraphs of this article have been about how you hate their music. <laughs> but, right, like, and who, but it's nothing personal. I, those guys are cool guys, you know? Truly, who cares who wrote the songs? I, I don't get any sort of uh, uh, warm feelings towards somebody because or, or negative feelings because somebody didn't write the songs. You know, that's part of country music, really, is that a lot of them. I mean, obviously, the best are the singer songwriters, but some of the best songwriters or some of the best country music acts are singing songs that are have been sang a million fucking times written you know way back in the 60s you know 
or yeah. 50s or 40s or 20s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they wrote a it. big standards genre, right? It's like, you know, you got your standards and you do them and everyone loves it. Yeah, Aaron Lewis is just like, oh, Tennessee whiskey, no thanks. That song is, <laughs> it's a hack song. But everybody's singing it. Um, uh, we, Brian, we do a podcast about new metal and uh, we review albums from like 20 years ago. It is very rare that we get to break news on a recording, but uh, I just checked Twitter and System of a Down have released their first new music in 15 years. Uh, should we listen to it? <laughs> um, man, I don't know. <laughs> Dan, can you uh, can you like fire it up so we can hear it? Yeah, give me a second. I already they downloaded only- it. Okay, perfect. They already uh, uh, they've they've only released they released two songs. So they uh, here. Let me set let me set this up for the people. This is like this is, is so this weird because of Trump. Oh, <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah, it's like well, they definitely did say something about. Uh, no, this is uh, Armenian stuff. Oh, is yeah, it? yeah. So it's that's says, why they uh, released the album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is they the, can't release an anti-Trump album because they have a Trump guy. Yeah, in they the have band. a Trump guy. Yeah. True. Yeah. We as System of a Down have just released new music for the first time in 15 years. The time to do this is now, as together the four of us have something extremely important to say as a unified voice. These two songs, "Protect the Land" and "Genocidal Humanoids," both speak of oh. a dire and serious war being perpetuated perpetrated upon our cultural homelands of Artsakh and Armenia. On September 27th, the combined forces of Azerbaijan and Turkey, along with ISIS terrorists from Syria, attacked the Republic of Nagorno-Karabakh, which we as Armenians call Artsakh. For For over the past month, civilians young and old have been awakened day and night by the frightful sights and sounds of rocket attacks, falling bombs, missiles, drones, and terrorist attacks. They've had to find sanctuary and makeshift shelters trying to avoid the fallout of outlawed cluster bombs raining down on their streets and homes, hospitals, and places of worship. Their attackers have set their forests and endangered wildlife ablaze using white phosphorus, another banned weapon, and why. And it explains the whole situation. And it says, uh, we realize that for many of you, there are more convenient ways you like listening to music. So please consider the opportunity to download these songs as an act of charity above all else. The music and lyrics speak for themselves. We need you to speak for Art Sock. Mm, I can't make fun of it if it sucks. I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah, I will. I mean, you know. <laughs> it's still music that we can review. I'm evil. Yeah, we're both evil. It's fine. Uh, okay, we don't have to listen to the full of both of the songs, but uh, right, just hear a piece of it. Yeah, let's hear a piece of uh, of the songs, Dan. Yeah, I'll I'll play the first one here. doesn't sound like system of a down at all to me sounds like early system here we go Take a stand. Uh oh. Would you say with God in hand, they protect the land? Okay. They protect the land. 
Yeah, you can cut it, Dan. Okay, Brian hates it. No, <laughs> it's too much Darren. What? What's with the Darren, man? They protect the land. See, did you read the whole reason why they they released it? And then I look like a jerk, but kind of. No, it didn't sound it was, good. Didn't sound yeah. good. I just, just too much to Darren. Song. You know, I did. I, I did a podcast in my big podcast tour when I released my album. And, um, and I went on a podcast and we did mesmerize, pardon me. And you and I have obviously reviewed toxicity on this podcast and you think I hate system move down, whatever. It doesn't matter. But mesmerize really, you're like, oh, this isn't that good because this is when Darren like really took over the band and he, Darren, Darren needs someone to check him. Darren cannot be allowed to run free. His ideas are bad. He's not as good of a singer as he thinks he is. Serge is like one of the best singers ever in rock music. Why are we doubling all of his vocals with Darren shrieking? Bad news. Bad news. Okay, Dan, let's hear the other one. Too much Darren. What did I just say? Maybe I'm just too old. I'm just a 41 year old man. I don't understand it anymore. Okay. Oh man. Uh, so, but see, like that to me, like what you're feeling right now is what I felt when I listened to Toxicity, where I was like, I'm just too old for this now. The music is nonsense. Some of it, like it wasn't. Not that, not that this is nonsense. I'm just. It saying, wasn't like, bad. Okay. It, wasn't bad. Not, it just wasn't like it wasn't good though. No, it wasn't like something I'd be excited to listen to. You know, do you remember the first time you heard like BYOB or Chop Suey and you were just like the minute you heard it, you were like, holy fucking shit, this rules. Did not feel that way. Chop Suey killed me. When I first heard Chop Suey, I was like, this isn't music shouldn't sound like this. This is incredible. Yeah, I remember BYOB. Why don't presidents fight the wars? And you were like, fuck, okay, yeah. Why don't the presidents fight the wars? Yeah. 100% Hundred <laughs> percent. Like strap in. You're like, holy yeah. fuck! It may. Yeah, I mean, it, I know. It, it really. I'll, yeah. It's. I'll give him another because, listen. You know. Yeah. I'll yeah. Give obviously, him, this I'll is give not him a fair listen. But yes. No. Yes. But uh, you know, some we never get to break news on this show, so you get some first impressions from us while we're recording, and uh, you know, whatever we recognize the we recognize Artsock. We 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 recognize what's going on. But we don't need the songs to recognize. <laughs> no, I want to read the story, but I wouldn't have heard that story if I hadn't exactly looked so, at System of a Down. You know, so they're probably not talking either. Can you can you imagine your drummer's a Trump guy now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. 
that's a tough yeah. situation. He's not good enough at drums to justify that. Like no, he's a you're good right. drummer, but you know, you can you can replace him easy, you know. Um, totally okay, right. well, let's get back to this other uh band we are reviewing, which is Stained. Um, so yeah, the the one thing we haven't talked about, which I did want to talk about a little bit uh with Break the Cycle, is that while I do think we we talked about them kind of being on both sides of this sort of like they wanted to maybe be an acoustic band, but also a new metal band kind of thing, is like I was surprised at how much I actually did like the album tracks. I think the lyrics are very bad and we can get into that, but I was actually surprised at like how much I felt like the songs really fucking grooved a bit. Like I, I don't know. I, I thought most of the first like nine songs are pretty good. I mean, obviously five of the singles are in the first nine songs, but I mean, I thought they were pretty good. (sighs) Yeah, I I guess like the 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 music isn't terrible, but like his lyrics maybe if Oh, the lyrics his, are brutal. Right. But his voice, the way he sings makes the lyrics very clear. Oh, and yeah. I heard like, and you're like, I don't want to hear every word. I wish no. it was more nondescript. <laughs> no, as I walk along these streets, I see a man that walks alone, distant echo of people's feet. He has no place to call his home. A shot rings out from a roof overhead. Okay, nothing, nothing I've heard too weird yet. A crackhead asks for change nearby. An old man lies in an alleyway dead. And then I'm like, what? What the fuck? A little yeah. girl lost just stands there and cries. Like, as soon as I hear the word crackhead in a song, I believe this happened with Puddle of Mud, too. There was a song where they said crackhead or something like that. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Why am I hearing this? Why is this word in this fucking song, this heartfelt song? I got to hear the word crackhead, which is a derogatory term, by the way. You know, drug yeah. user, please. Well, it just seems user. like if you were a good songwriter, you would come up with a better like metaphor or turn of phrase or something to describe you know, someone in a, in maybe an addiction situation or a, or a poverty situation better than like crackhead, you know, like there are better ways of, there are better ways of coming up with it, you know? And like this song for sure is so the lyrics of this song are so bad. Uh, Right. The second verse is even worse. I think a boy just 13 on the corner for sale swallows his pride for another hit. So like, is I guess so we have a 13 year old kid, I guess, giving a blowjob for money. Overpopulation, there's no room in jail, but most of you don't give a shit. And I like that. He puts it on us. This is the first track of the album, and he's like, Hey, guess what? There's a lot of shit going on, and and fuck you. You don't think it's most care of about it. You know, most of like, you. You yeah. you being the people listening to this That's what fucking I mean. album. Yeah, exactly. Not like, like you, you pieces not of like shit. Radiohead fans. You know yeah. what I mean? I <laughs> yeah, exactly. said something like that, just throwing something in there like against somebody else, you know. Yeah. Hey, pop country fans, you don't give a shit. My my listeners, they care. Yeah. And then it's like that so most of you don't give a shit that your daughters are porno stars. Which again, you know, degrading sex workers, like whatever. And your sons sell death to kids. You're so lost in your little worlds, your little worlds you'll never fix. And what then I, a- it's just a fucking downer. And then the bottom part is very funny too. The the end, he says, 
I walk along the streets soaking up the acid rain, you know, because that's mm, people love that word. That people love acid rain. In 2001, acid rain was fuck it. They loved it. Uh, is the most important the cabs. And then here's, this is another classic. I hear the streets cry out in vain, which is like if a kid in my grade nine English class wrote a poem and it had the line, I hear the streets cry out in vain in it. I would cross it out and be like, you can come up with something better than this. And they're 14. So like, I would just, be like, it's so heavy handed. It's so heavy handed. It's like impossible. So I get that. And I also, one thing we never play the songs in this podcast. It's not what we're about, but the opening to open your eyes, just the little, it is so new metal, the little like opening little part. The little riff is so funny. Oh my god! Just yeah. that little the harmonic. Yes. I like that harmonic though. I go off for those. But that to me is like I when I heard that, it's like you know we've done now. This is episode fifteen. We've done ten bonus episodes. I think that moment to me brought me back to the year 2001, like almost nothing else we've done on this pod. Just literally just that. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Like, no one does that anymore. It That's no. the harmonic. It, that's gone. And I was just like, yes. OK, I'm, I was the same as you. I was like, I'm in. And I didn't like the lyrics, but I found for a lot of the songs on here. Yeah, I don't like the lyrics. They're shit. And they, they don't make sense most of the time. But man, did I love <laughs> Did I just love I loved some of the songs The the fuck some of the songs fucking go in, man. I hear the 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 streets cry out in vain. Sounds like something like a Batman would say. Like this <laughs> song is written from the perspective of Batman to me. Mm-hmm. It's really an embarrassing lyric for a song, but this, that, I mean, that song, that second verse, I, like I said, I could hear the words, you know, I could right. hear yes. what yeah, you, they when were, he says like porno stars and you're like, Oh God, I'll tell you the lyric, the lyric I heard that, that made me discount it completely was there's no room in jail. Like, right. We don't want, m- <laughs> We we want all the jails to be empty. We want there to be unlimited room in jail with nobody in it. Not there's no room in jail so that you can put more people in jail, you fucking crazy person. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it, I just <sighs> tough one. Tough one. Tough I one lyrically. It. And then I the one thing I thought was really funny too. Well, first of all, um, he grew up in Vermont. So, um, like, what's he talking about? Like his whole, you read any interview with him talks about how he's from rural Vermont. He loves to hunt. He loves to fish. We're going to get to that momentarily when we get to our articles, but that's what this guy is, man. He's, he's, he's purebred. He loves to talk about being just a rural, good old boy, American from Vermont. What's he talking about? All this, like, I see an old man dead in an alley and I see it like even in like what's even I mean Vermont does Vermont even have a big city I know the capital is Montpelier or whatever but like does Vermont even have a big city that like he's just making it up it's just like this is not something you've lived or even seen it's just like 
what a kid, like a grade nine kid would think if you were like, write a poem about social issues. Write a poem about the city. Yeah. Like, like, okay. It's what a rural person thinks. So I live in the city of uh, Columbus, Mm -hmm. which Columbus, Ohio is not like a mean streets place. It's not like people sit around and talk about, oh my God, you know, so Columbus, Ohio. But my father-in-law is like, oh, I can't believe you're out in those streets in Columbus, Ohio. It's a goddamn war zone down there. And it's just right. like what people that don't go to cities think of the city. And that's what that song is. You know, yeah, he was living in Massachusetts for a period of time. I know right. that yeah. him and yeah, Stolle, when he got divorced and back and forth with his parents. He's very descriptive about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he did live in, in Massachusetts for a period. Maybe he went to Boston a few times. I don't really know. Boston's a beautiful city, though, too. Oh, yeah, I've never been, but I've heard only good things. Um, But yes, the other one that I thought was very funny lyrically is one of the singles, which is for you, Uh, because like so the thing that I think and I I, I think he's not I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but like corn, not to keep comparing stain to corn. But I do think that like Aaron Lewis was kind of going for the same sort of thing that Jonathan Davis is going for is just that like he so Jonathan Davis spoke about his own pain and it was obviously like very real and very intense to him. And it was all he talked about in interviews and you could just look at him and you could be like, yes, of course, this guy got bullied. He got abused. It made perfect sense, you know, and Aaron Lewis like. So Jonathan Davis would just speak about his own pain and would be like, you might not have had the same pain as me, but you're probably going through some kind of pain. And, you know, you can find catharsis in just the fact that we're both going through some type of pain. Whereas Aaron Lewis is like, he doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have any like specific pain. And so like, to me, the opening of for you is very weird to me. Because he literally addresses it to just anyone. And that's what I was getting at with the like the way I opened the show today, where it's like, to my mother, to my father, it's your son or it's your daughter. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like, okay, what are we? So he's trying to be like, okay, well, who's going to be listening to this song? You know, Corn seems to have done really well with people being like, man, John, these songs really speak to me, man. And so he's like kind of trying to be like, you know, this could be about anyone. It could be you. It could be me. Is your mom a bitch? Is your dad a fucking piece of shit? Are you a girl? Are you a boy? This is 2001. We didn't have, you know, we were still in the binary. So it's just like, I've covered everyone. Everyone has a bad mom or a bad dad and they're a boy or a girl. Boom. There you go. Have some pain. Everyone. It was just so I It just really, it really fucked with me because I like, I don't think he did it on purpose. I think he just thought it was like a cool way to start a song, but I do think like subconsciously deep down, that is like the ethos of this entire album. It's just like, do you, I don't know their pain. That's a thing, right? Pain that people feel maybe you're going, maybe you've got some stuff and maybe I do too. 
Yeah. I mean, the songs are all like very, I mean, he should have been a country singer from the beginning, I think, yes. because it is very obvious what each one of the songs are about. Like he spells it out perfectly, which is definitely, that's a country music trope. That's not a new metal trope. You know, you could, I couldn't tell you what a Deftone song's about. Not ever. I don't know no. what any of them are about, you know, but I can tell you what fade is about. Which yeah. is my song of the album. Okay. That is my number one of the album. But uh like your number it is, one, like you like it. Yeah, that's the one that I like right. out of all of the uh, songs like on the it. album is really fade. Yeah. It's just a really good chorus that you can sing along to, you know? But it is him telling you, like I was so mad at my dad for a really long time. But it turned out I was just really mad at myself. And, and you know, that's maybe a good message. But, like, I have considered that in my mind. And, no, I'm just, like, mad at my dad <laughs> still. And, and also, if you're 14 and Aaron you're Lewis, listening to this. His dad. Let me yeah. explain what his dad did for him. Because you sent me three articles. Yeah. And I read other articles. He's like, me and my dad, you know, we would go fishing we would go hunting and we would go do all this stuff together. Meanwhile, the lyric is I just needed someone to talk to. You were just too busy with yourself. You were never there for me to express how I felt. It's like, dude, he went fishing with you. You know <laughs> yeah, what me and my the dad only did? Thing to do nothing. When you fish, nothing. I can't think of a single fucking thing we ever did together. <laughs> we never went fishing. My dad doesn't fish. We never went camping or we did go camping. I didn't want to go. Uh, uh, we never went hunting. My dad doesn't hunt, you know, probably saw three movies the whole time I was growing up. It's kind of like uh, uh, Aaron Lewis really had had it made in the parental department. And he is still writing songs about how he's mad about that. Yeah, it's just funny to me that like, especially of all the things, it's fishing. Like, I feel like even though this is going to be very generalizing and slightly reductive, but like, I know it's true for my dad, like fishing, I think is pretty much invented. So men would talk to each other. Like, I think that that's <laughs> the only time my I hated fishing and my dad loves it. And I feel like my dad secretly deep down just wishes that I could be in a boat with him because then he could tell me he loved me. That's like the only place if you're on a, if, if you're on the seas, if you're on a, if you're on a lake, then it's okay for a man to tell another man you love him in my father's eyes. Um, and unfortunately I didn't like fishing, so he never told me he loved me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that too. I mean, Aaron Lewis does have a good point in the song where he says where at the end of that of that chorus where he says i it seems i'm just scratching the surface i'm what i'm scratching is the bed that i have made because the truth is my dad might have offered to do things with me but i might have just said it was nerd shit the right. whole time until i moved out of the house mad at him but uh <laughs> dad this is nerd shit i'm out yeah I mean, that's uh, everything was nerd shit to me, but, but fade, I think is the gold star good song on the album. And right. then I would say that nothing else on it is good to me. <laughs> that's fair. I do think it's funny too. Like, um, you know, it's been a while is like, also, I think kind of speaks to 
sort of what they were going for in a sense of like, you know, it's this kind of acoustic y ballady song, but he also says fuck in it a bunch. Yeah. And I feel like for 2001, that would have been like a kind of like stain was like, yeah, like we're, we got acoustic guitars in this song, but I fucked shit up and I'm going to fucking say it, you know, like it does definitely have a bit of that vibe too of, you know, it kind of goes back to the for you lyrics. It's like, you know, this is like, we want to be clear. This is for, this is for people who are damaged. This isn't like, this isn't a fucking radio song, man. This is for people who are fucked up like us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back then, did anybody I Deftones were the only ones that were able to do acoustic yeah on any of their stuff but I think Stained would have gone way over acoustic I mean they did go way get way over uh, with that acoustic song with Outside and I don't see why they didn't do more I guess you know as you said they were going to try to Um, I always found it's been a while to be it's too, I don't want to say repetitive because that's like the point of the song, but it's really repetitive right. and it drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> it's been a while. And it was funny, like, because again, like I said, when I was going back and listening to this record, I do feel like, uh, you know, it was a bit surprising how many things I remembered about it, how many words, but it was also surprising that I definitely heard it's been a while way more than any other song on this record by a lot. And I could really only remember it's been a while. Like just, I'd be like, is when I was like singing it in the car, I'd be like, it's been a while since I, and, and it's been a while and you and stuff and something here again and it's been a while like i was really just digging into the it's been a while like i don't remember i don't remember any of this fucking song i i always remember it's been a while since i can say i wasn't addicted i don't what right you know and i think addicted and i think that was because of that i think it's like the melody yeah i was also profoundly addicted to drugs at the time <laughs> When it came out, so you hear it's been a while since I can say that I wasn't addicted. I was like in the middle of a, a drug addiction and was right. like, Yeah, that's it. He's got a good point there. And it's been a, <laughs> here in eight more years, I'm going to finally do something about that. Yeah. Mine, mine was, It's been a while since I first saw you. I was like, Well, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, so true. It's been a while. I've been seeing people for a long time. So it has you been know, a while since the first time. It's been a while's lyrics aren't as bad as some of the other ones either. No, you know? I think it's, it's been a while is a good song. But sure. I just can't stand. It's been a while. It's been a while. That's where you can hear like him becoming a country singer is seems like in 2001. If you're like, you know, stains kind of country, you'd be like, fuck you. I love stained. They're kind of country. Fuck off. But now that you're listening to it after Aaron Lewis has become a country singer and you're like, Oh, Stain's kind of country. Like even in 2001, like this song is kind of yeah. country. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so Stained, you know, it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just enough for new metal bands to have their music. They also got major publications to speak for them. And uh, this Rolling Stone article is truly truly phenomenal uh this one was very funny too we uh our friends at roach coach when we were tweeting about doing stain they were like just wait till you read that rolling stone article you're gonna die 
Uh, and they were not wrong because it's pretty incredible. Even just the, 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 the headline and the lead are insane. So this article is from July 19th, 2001. So the record had been out now for a couple months. The title of the article is stained dark stars. Uh, and then the lead is for a nation of kids who feel as damaged as they do. The band provides the new metal therapy. Yeah. Um, which is just, I mean, this is like, this one reminded me of the orgy one too, except instead of trying to seem like cool, like orgy was going over the top, trying to seem like a party band. Like, yeah, we fucking rip the tiles out of the ceiling and where's the after party and stained like Aaron Lewis is like going out of his way to seem like a dour fuck. Yeah. They also love to put therapy and new metal Oh, of course. Like it's always like, this isn't just fucking metal, man. This is therapy. This yeah. is like, you know, these people are getting their feelings, you know, all out in the open and dealing with them in a healthy way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. But uh, this article is really, really fucking funny. It is and, so uh, funny. Read it. If you're listening to this, like we're obviously going to go through some of it, but like do yourself a favor and read the whole thing. It is I fucked. I love Aaron talking about the success of uh, Break the Cycle where he just says, all I did was be extremely honest with myself and put it in songs. And here I am. He says after one of his long pauses, never in my music have I pretended that things were all right. I might have done that in life just to get through. But in my songs, I've always been very candid and straightforward with what I have to say. And like, I just picturing him saying it oh. like that. You know, so hey, serious. Oh, I mean, hey, I don't know why people are listening to this music, man. Yeah. It's just I did like what anybody else would normally do and was just really honest and candid in my yeah. songs. And teenagers really grabbed onto that and like feel it. it uh, actually, it would be and teenagers and roofers really grabbed onto that. I <laughs> feel really strongly about my music. I'm big in the roofing community. Yeah. I love when artists are always, it's, it, it's like the SNL, um, you know, the too much cowbell sketch where Bruce Dickinson says, I'm like everyone else. I put my pants on one leg at a time, but then once my pants are on, I make a gold record. This like has that vibes of like, I'm just like everyone else. I, uh, get signed to a major label cause I'm friends with Fred Durst and I get a $1 million production budget. And then, uh, get to the top of the billboard charts, just like everybody else, you know, just an honest way to do things and make a living. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because it starts out with a very self serious paragraph that I will not bother reading. It's just very early two thousands journalism about him fiddling with his eyebrow ring and wanting to smoke a joint and blah, blah, blah. And so it already sets him up as this like sad, this sad motherfucker. And then Brian read the paragraph that comes after the part I want to read, where they talk about how they found out that they got to the number one spot on the album charts. They knocked tool out of the number one spot on the album charts. Go figure Brian, a little trivia for you. Can you guess the other rock band that was in the top 10 at the time? So other people in the top 10 were like Missy Elliott, Redman, Beyonce, Janet Jackson, the Moulin Rouge soundtrack. Now six. Uh, and and one other rock band, Creed. No. Oh uh, fuck! Nine Inch Nail. No, that would be ninety nine. Two 
2001. Uh, they were, I will give you a hint. They, it okay. was their quote, comeback album. Oh shit. I have no idea. I, uh, Motley Crue. No, you hate them. Oh, Who, I think well, you, I hate a lot of bands. I though. know. I know. Uh, Weezer. Oh, I love that album though. Oh, that's Green actually album? one that I like. Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I listened um, to that album for a whole summer when it came out. Very weird. Okay. Very that is weird. weird time that is weird, me. especially at yeah. that time. So they get to the number one spot and then they talk about the guitarist getting the call uh, from their uh, from the head of Electra Records, which owns the flip sub label. And he says, I started crying, he remembers. I could cry right now because I can't even believe it. Mushok immediately called Lewis, who was out on the links with drummer John Wasaki, a devoted mm. golfer. Later cool. that day, all three went out and bought themselves Rolexes to celebrate. That's kind of cool, though. I, I read that part, too, and I would probably go spend it. I mean, obviously, I go spend a bunch of money on, like, a status symbol piece of clothing or something. The golf part is the part where I'm like, oh, God, because it's like if I bought a Rolex, it would be like this guy's, you know, this this white trash guy is wearing a Rolex, you know, because <laughs> I don't right. golf or anything like that. Right. But when he goes golfing and buys a Rolex, it just looks like, oh, look, a rich guy. Yeah, but that's what I mean is like he's trying to paint this picture of this like tortured artist, but then he's like golfing and buying Rolexes. It's just very uh, incongruous with each other. And then the next paragraph is insane uh, because it it follows the paragraph that you read about him being so honest in his music. He's like, I'm just honest, like and people latch on to that. But then he says he doesn't he seems like he doesn't want it because it says he was stopped by a kid outside of a show. He said a kid came up to me in the parking lot who had a full blown portrait of me tattooed on his arm. Pardon me. He says with disbelief, the portrait was so detailed it included the watch Lewis always wears. A lot of watch talk in this article. A yeah. gift from his friend Kid Rock, uh, which, Ooh. you know, the very good detail. Uh, the fans tattoo collection also included the word tormented, the title of the band's 1996 debut inked in red on his back and everything falls apart. A line from Stain's previous album dysfunction on his forearm. By the time the band rolled back through Detroit in early June, the fan, also named Aaron, had added two more stained-related tats. While hovering around the catering table, Lewis gave the kid his watch, a gesture that spoke volumes Lewis couldn't otherwise articulate. Quote, it's really hard for me to talk to fans now, Lewis says. It feels like they're teetering on every word I say. Uh, first of all, feel very depressed for this guy who has five stained tattoos in the year 2020. Uh, and also feel very weird that like Lewis is again, it's like this, this, he's not interested in, in being this guy that he seems to be very interested in being, I'm just honest. And people just seem to connect with me, but then also when they connect with me, fuck them. I don't like it. Yeah. That's gotta be the worst part about being a, a rock star. That's, that's the part that, uh, uh, what's it got a kid rock got right. Where it's just like, just admit you want to be a rock star because it is so weird to, to, to have to do that dance of like, well, I don't want to be a rock star, but it's like, but you make music and you release it on a major record label and you make videos for it. So excuse me if I don't believe that you don't want to be a rock star. Yeah, no, exactly. 
Um, then he goes on to talk about how multiple fans committed suicide, uh, including one who had outside playing on a loop uh, while he hung himself, uh, which is super fucking weird. And also just like, why would you bring that up in, a, I don't know. in an interview? Yeah. Like, it just seems like he's saying, cause he's like, uh, he's like, it's a heavy weight on my shoulders. It's strange to be put on a pedestal, but it's like, this is kind of, what you seem to be going for. And then also like, why would you bring that up in an inner? Like, I think he thinks it's kind of cool. Weirdly. Yeah. I do. You know too. what I mean? I do like, too. That's such a fucked up thing to say. Like, yeah. Okay. That's obviously a brutal situation and that sucks. But like, why would you bring it up in a Rolling Stone interview? Like, yeah, yeah. people love me so much that this is happening. It's like, what? The, the uh, Truly the- wild. The next funny quote that I have, and and I want to preface this by saying, like, Aaron Lewis did not have kids at the time of this interview. Parents on the whole have forgotten how to be parents, says Lewis. The desperation that Stain fans express, he believes, comes from a parental neglect. He says kids grow up feeling that they don't have anyone to turn to. He addresses the topic and fade. I just needed someone to talk to. You were just too busy with yourself. It's him and 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 then he goes on to talk about how his wife of the time would have made a really good mother to the kid. I don't know when they divorced or broke up after that, but uh, it's always funny to have some guy that doesn't have any kids say like parents don't know how to raise kids these days because it's like you don't know what it's like to raise kids these days. You know, it's like something that I would say steer clear of. And then when you have a kid, you're allowed to say that about other people that have kids, which is that's what people like me do. You know, it's like I'm I'm 16. My daughter's 16. It's like, ah, you know, nobody knows what they're doing like I did when I, you know, when my kid was five. Yeah. But Aaron Lewis, especially in Rolling Stone, like dressing down parents is a very funny kind of thing. Oh, 100%. And it makes no sense. And then uh, this is another quote that kind of goes in with what you were saying earlier. If you want to call our music dark, that's fine, Lewis says. I'm calling it reality-based. I'm not making anything darker than it is already. They love that too. That is a, yeah. a we could probably reality, man. Yeah. To my mother, my father, are you a son or a daughter? This is just fucking reality, dude. We could probably find every new metal person saying that their music is reality based too. Yeah. Like this, oh, when sure. this isn't new metal. If you want to call it anything, it's like reality metal, man. Yeah. It's like then- the big brother of metal. Then in the middle of the article, he finds time to talk about the NRA, uh, that he's been a member of the NRA for a long time. And he comes up with this uh, galaxy brain take in the middle of his uh, article in the Rolling Stone. He's like, I just got to get this in there. He says, uh, I don't think the key to wiping out inner city violence is to ban guns. He says, taking an uncharacteristically authoritative tone, criminals are always going to be able to get guns. It's going to be the law abiding citizens who can't. That's the most ass backward way to fix a problem I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. That, you got to make sure you get that in there. He's like, put that in there, man. Gun that's violence. Guy, well, that is a guy that's conservative. That's been reading a lot of conservative stuff. Yeah. Getting interviewed by Rolling Stone. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he like, oh, go fucking go at it with this hippie magazine. It's going to be great. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And then, yeah, later on, like, again, it's like for a guy, like the thing about, again, we're com- I'm comparing to John Davis, but like John Davis feels authentic in some kind of way, or he did at this time, especially. And Aaron Lewis is saying things like, uh, Lewis recalls that a sudden surge in popularity always seemed to come after he'd perform at a talent show or a battle of the bands. Quote, <laughs> that was the only time girls were interested in me. A sly smile pushes at the corners of his mouth. Quote, when I look back, it's like, fuck all of you. My 10-year high school reunion was last year. I was going to have the tour bus drop me off. But then I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I, hope, I hope somebody richer and more successful than him went to his high school. <laughs> since <laughs> that like article. a helicopter or something. Yeah. Oh, your tour bus is nice. I, I parked on the helipad. I parked, I parked my helicopter on the football field. I don't um, approve of billionaires, but I hope there's a billionaire that went to that school. Just that's the only billionaire you approve of. You're like, yeah, yeah. just only to stick it to Aaron Lewis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is honestly like this whole article is just so insane. Uh, check it out. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else you want to add here? No, I just think it's pathetic to be like, I should have gone to my high school reunion and really done it up. I should have gone to my high school reunion in a limo with a bunch of hot babes with me. Really showed those girls that wouldn't go out with me in school unless I was in a talent show. What the who the big man on campus now is. Totally, totally. Um, we've got one other article here. This is from NME. Um, and I feel like this is, uh, Brian, this probably accurately uh, fits. We don't often read reviews on this show, but this review is so beautifully British and scathing. Uh, and, you know, looking back, maybe does sort of adequately sum up stained. Uh, this is from September 2005. So I guess in Britain, they didn't get this album for four years. Uh, but it says stained break the cycle. I'm sure it was reviewed in like a magazine and they just didn't put it on their website till 05 because it definitely yeah. is written at the time. But uh, popular biscuit understudies, execrable long player. Uh, for those who grew up to the sound of Nirvana, there's been nothing quite as spirit crushingly miserable as the grunge hangover, a refugee line of tousle haired slackers shivering along the corporate gangplank, clutching at dimes all the while pr- praying their alternative cover doesn't slip. We owe it to new metal for hammering the final nail into grunge's coffin, but it hasn't been enough on break the cycle. The third album from Massachusetts misery men stained the ghost of corporate grunge shrugs off the old plaid shirt, pulls on the box fresh hoodie and rebrands itself as the angst of a new generation. This is partly down to Fred Durst who met these young tykes in 1997 when they were slogging their independent debut around the flea pits of America He furnished Stain's deal with Flip Records and took the credit when 99's dysfunction shifted a million copies, which suggests that Durst's musical taste is as shonky as his rapping. Break the Cycle is new metal as envisioned by Tipper Gore. 14 tracks of parent-friendly, grunge-flavored soft rock that make Creed sound like Gigi Allen. Uh, Patience finally snaps on the closing live rendition of Outside, a syrupy duet with Durst in which the capped one announces, man, I'm feeling those lighters. And you're left picturing the audience building a funeral pyre stage side. New metal is ready to whip its cock out and fuck a corpse because of albums like this. Anything to elicit a glimmer of interest from a dead eyed public stained. You spell it like bland. That's all you need to remember. Uh, Lewis Patterson wrote that. 
congratulations. You don't spell like bland though. I, I think guess. you just meant like N D, like it's not N E D, but yes, oh, it's not it's not okay. sand, it's bland. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Um I just loved that. I just thought like, even though I don't agree that this album is like absolutely terrible. Um, and I think it's actually quite decent in places. I do think a lot of the points there are interesting to note that like even reviewers at the time were recognizing like, okay, new metal starting to get a little cash grabby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this album is a, is the symbol of that. Well, I guess, well, no, not actually. I was going to say maybe the one, the hot dog flavored water was the first cast grabby, but they actually made it cheaper and they did the free tour and stuff. So yeah, yeah. this might be the beginning of the cash grab new metal albums. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, too, is this one just got so popular, right? So like there might have been other new metal albums that felt pretty cash grabby, but they weren't so big. You know, this was yeah. like not only a new metal, but it was huge. You know, this this is like the album that launched your next wave of new metal, the kind of like traps and, uh, you know, bands like that, that were. That were like kind of doing like some sort of Linkin Park, some sort of softer new metal kind of thing. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You you feel me. You feel me. I feel you, man. Thank I feel you. you. Um, okay, we are at the uh, the time of the album where we come up with our, our score for this. For those of you who are new to the POD cast, what we do for a score is we do a tweet defense. Uh, so this is if someone were to tweet at you that Break the Cycle is a bad album, how many tweets would you reply to them in order to defend it? Uh, Brian, I'll allow you to go first. I cannot give a zero because that's rude. Wow. I mean, I don't think you've ever even come close to a zero before. So I'm going to give it a two. Two. Because uh, it's definitely the least fun I had listening to any of the albums that we've listened to. And it's just such a joyless slog. It really is not fun to listen to. But I would say that that part, like if, if I had to do the tweet defense, I'd be like, they'd be like, I don't like break the cycle and i'd be like what about when he says uh i just needed someone to talk to you were just, just too, too busy, busy with yourself. yourself that bangs that's good part and then if they said uh uh then if they said no it's not i'd be like mm, no skin off my back whatever be <laughs> that's fair because it's not a, it's 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 just too the album is just too commercial sounding. That's what it is. It's just a commercial record, and I don't like it. No, oh, that's fair. I can understand that. I would say um, my uh, I would say my score is probably a four. I'd say a four. Oh, this is the first time. This is a very first first episode. <laughs> you gave go, it a higher than me yeah that's true yeah i'm gonna go for because i think i would defend a few of the songs on here um i would also uh i would also probably defend a few of the songs on here and i would also probably just share the rolling stone article and i'd be like this is actually really funny you should read this. <laughs> this is like a good way of of doing it um and I would also, I, I, I haven't told this story on the pod yet, but I remember 
um, some friends of mine in high school, one of whom listens to this show. Uh, so, hey, Mark. Uh, hey, Mark. He, he, they, there was like a band. They formed a band in high school. And we didn't really, our, our school never really had like a, like a band. You know, I feel like a lot of people went to high school and they're like, yeah, my, you know, my buddies had a band or whatever. And we didn't really have one. So this was kind of like Mark was one of the most popular kids in school. He teamed up with a couple guys in the band, in the actual like school band who were really good at music. And I remember they played the talent show at school and they played Epiphany by Stained. And Ooh. I remember that the old, they said, I remember talking to them about it after. And they had said that one of the songs they had written just like as a band had exactly the same chord progression as Epiphany. So they're like, we already had kind of like wrote this song. And then the Stained song came out and we were like, this is exactly like our song. <laughs> so they just covered Epiphany at the talent show rather than play their original version. So I might tell that story in a tweet as well. That's longer than one tweet. So, but anyway, yeah. shout out. I remember those days. Those were the old days when we thought Stained was cool. Um, okay. We're going to get to uh, the challenge and the poll uh, before we get there, uh, just a reminder that you can uh, support the show by donating to us at patreon.com slash the POD cast. $4 a month gets you access to one bonus episode every month. We just did a very fun one last month. We did Corn Unplugged with our respective podcast partner, Stefan and Brett, which was super fun. And then this month we've got uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 soundtrack with our friends from Roach Coach. Uh, that's going to be a real blast uh, and we're going to enjoy that. Um, so that's going to be coming out shortly. And we also have, we introduced a new tier this month. If you donate $20 to the show, Brian and I will review a song for you. So if there's a song that you felt like on this album, we didn't get to, are you like a huge fan of uh, this is me panicking? Are you a huge fan of warm, safe place? And you're pissed off that Brian and I didn't talk about it. You can give us 20 bucks and we will talk about it. We'll make a custom <laughs> review, custom audio review for you. Uh, so you can do that and you can still donate $50 to get us to review a bonus album. Although we are booked until March. So keep that in mind. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. And that's cast with a K, which, you know, cause you're listening to the show, but that's where we do all the polls and everything like that. So you can uh, keep up with us there. Uh, Brian, you actually, uh, most months I come up with the challenge, but you actually came up with the challenge, uh, this month. Do you want to tell the, the listeners what the challenge is? I thought we would go on a scavenger hunt and try to find Aaron Lewis's dumbest quote or just the dumbest between me and you, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, I can go first. I got this from AJC.com. Okay. Uh, uh, and here it is. The, the, he's asked by the person if uh, he's ever been in the military. Okay. And he's like, uh, the career that has given me more than I've ever imagined has also cost me anything and everything that's ever meant anything to me, he says. Everything. Lewis never served his country in the armed first forces, but says he wanted to. I wanted to go military when I graduated high school, Lewis says. That was the strongest option I had. And uh, I didn't want to go any further, but uh, basically it was Aaron Lewis saying that he didn't go into the military because his goddamn music career. Yeah. To, oh, I, instead, I made millions of dollars. Fuck. Yeah. Um, this is that's so funny. It, it is funny too. you. You actually tweeted at, tweeted this out 
but I noticed the same thing too. If you just Google Aaron Lewis, one of the, one of the questions in that people also ask section is, is Aaron Lewis a veteran? Uh, which you said is like, you know, that's the sign of a true grifter. Uh, when people are searching like Aaron Lewis veteran <laughs> enough times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you know in the thing. Um, okay. This one I'm, I was really between two, uh, but I think this one really just sums it all up here. Uh, this, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, so a lot of, if you don't know, and we haven't really touched on it yet, uh, Aaron Lewis, big time Trump guy loves his Trump, big right wing guy. Uh, and you know, if you search Aaron Lewis, Trump, you'll find a bunch of great stuff, but this isn't related exactly to Trump, but this is from all access.com, uh, 10 questions with Aaron Lewis. This is from 2016. Uh, and this is the very first question in the interview, not saying it can't happen, but how does a guy from the Northeastern United States become a fan of and end up performing hardcore traditional country music, Aaron Lewis. Well, there's a bit of a misconception to the Northeast. You get outside the very blatantly liberally controlled metropolitan areas and shit goes south real quick. They are country folk and it's all gun-toting, America-loving, constitution-thumping Americans. I grew up in rural Vermont, of all places, where Bernie Sanders came from. Ain't nobody in my family that lives in Vermont ever uttered a positive word about him, and he's from Vermont. The misconception is that north of the Mason-Dixon somehow doesn't fall into the category of country. I beg to differ because the people that I know from up north, my friends and my family, are some of the most podunk people I've ever met. (laughs) Oh, so he's podunk. He's basically saying you can be a redneck and from the north if you want to be. That's why I love that quote because, first of all, he shits on Bernie Sanders, which is so funny. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, people from Vermont don't even like Bernie. What a piece of shit. And then, yeah, he's like justifying being a like a redneck, which is like a very weird thing that you have to like, I guess, defend when you do country music. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a redneck in order to oh, do no, country I'm a, music. I'm a fucking redneck, man. You know what? I'm a fucking redneck. Uh, the other quote I had, this does not count for the challenge, but I do. It's very short and very funny. He, he had a, he had a reputation for having onstage outbursts, much like our friend Wes from puddle of mud. Um, and we actually, a listener tweeted that they felt like stained was a more competent version of puddle of mud. Um, yeah. I agree with that tweet. That's actually a really good way of describing that was Shelly, uh, that sent that in. Thank you for that tweet. And yeah, they said, they're like, I feel like they were just a more competent version of puddle of mud, which is what they feel like. But anyway, uh, Aaron, yes, he had a, he had a sort of penchant for getting pissed off on stage. Uh, and he said, uh, in February, the stained front man walked off stage after a crowd in Texas would not quiet down enough for him to begin his final song. <laughs> he made headlines for an unusual remark he made before departing the stage after a fan yelled out a request to sing a song in Spanish. Quote, I'm sorry, I don't know how to speak Spanish. I'm American, Lewis said. I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is another. That's an America joke. Right. Where you're not allowed to know any other languages. You have to only know the one because you're American. Podunk. I'm podunk. I speak. I'm a hillbilly. I speak the Queen's English, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very odd. Uh, But yeah, so that's the challenge. Uh, Brian, I do have to report you won last month's challenge. Oh, Uh, look at me. I'm up with a provocative band name like Orgy. 
Um, so that gets you closer. I believe it's eight wins for me, five for you, and we have one tie. So, okay. Uh, so, you know, again, if you follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast, you'll get to vote on who you think did the better job in the challenge this month. Uh, before we go, Brian, we do have a poll to get to. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the episode, or sorry, listening to the show, what we do is Brian and I both nominate two albums uh, for a poll. So there'll be four albums total. Uh, and you, as the listeners, get to decide what we review next month. Uh, Brian, which two albums are you putting up this time around? Well, I guess I'll have to, for the second time, put up Crazy Town, The Gift of the Game, yes, which had a strong showing. Ever had. This was the closest poll. We, this, was like the, this was like the damn U.S. election. Right. Yeah, we're still counting the votes. It was like the damn election. Stained won by, I believe, 0.2%. Yeah, so they won by like less than a negligible amount of yeah, like percentage. Five votes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay. Crazy Town, the gift of game. Fair. I'm going to throw a wrench in the works here, and uh-huh. and and methods of mayhem. Methods of mayhem's oh first my album. God, yuck. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Methods of fucking mayhem, baby. It's really funny because my strategy this month for the poll was that I was going to put up albums that you would like because I felt bad because I sort of felt like I nominated Stain and I kind of had said that I thought it was decent. And then you were very mad about having to listen to it. So I was like, I don't want to punish Brian two months in a row. And it's December. It's our last episode of 2020. We probably want to go out with a bang. So I was going to do nice albums. I don't uh, like either of these either. I, these are <laughs> I two albums I don't them. like. Either. And now you're trying to punish yourself, which is fucked up. Uh, but you know what? Uh, so I will go. I'll go one Punisher and one non-Punisher just for you, Brian. Uh, so the non-Punisher, I'm going to put back up Corn. Uh, follow the leader uh, from the... Uh, from the poll from the year, the year anniversary episode. Poll. Okay. And then I'm also going to put up seven dust home. Okay. Okay. Don't listen to that. So, okay. I think I'm pretty insulated from having to hear that. I think you probably are. I think it's going to be, it could be crazy town and corn, but I don't know. Methods of mayhem. People might want to fuck us over. We'll see. But again, you can vote on all those polls on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. We spell cast with a K. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And uh, we will see you back here next month. Goodbye. <laughs>